1: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina, And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I should say host, but also realtors with Oakland Realty in downtown Vancouver. What a show today. We've got Kathy Black on the program, head of real estate development for Fiera Real Estate. This was a great conversation. And I feel
2: like a real coup uh, that we had Kathy in the studio. uh, based out of Toronto. Right. Head of real estate for their... Canadian operations. They're in multiple cities, as she's going to discuss. But yeah, what a insightful conversation about how she thinks about real estate, how she thinks about Canadian real estate, how she thinks about various markets, including Vancouver. And not to uh, spoil it, but why she's excited about Vancouver.
1: Totally, yeah, and and we we cover everything. What makes a good deal? What makes a good partnership? you know, I, I was so excited about kind of the opportunities where she's seeing the opportunities. Exactly. And we talk about that geographically, but across Canada, but we also talk about it from an asset class perspective. And from a market
2: um, cycle perspective.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's super exciting. This is a, this is, I would say one of the more kind of, it's a little technical and it's uh high a, level. I'd say it's, it's high level. There's so many takeaways from this conversation. So, I feel like uh, the VRep community is going to be really excited about this one. Absolutely, yeah, I'm excited for I'm excited for the feedback
2: on uh, on this one. It was great having Kathy in the studio, uh, Adam. Before we get to that, a couple of changes uh, coming out of uh, Premier Eby's office. I, I wasn't around. What did something happen? <laughs> So there is a new flipping tax. We've talked a little bit about it. The Kohl's notes are 20% of the profit if you sell within the first year of acquiring a property. This doesn't have to be an investment property. This is all residential real estate. And then a sliding scale in the second year, uh, the longer you hold the property, the less of the profit is taken in this tax with some uh, exemptions. With a lot of exemptions, actually. Yeah. This, I feel like this is just, well, I just finished the BC spec and vacancy tax, getting it in the mail, bringing it to the office, typing in 17 different codes to, wow. to get it, my property up. It's like it's just a nightmare, uh, just a bureaucratic a nightmare. nightmare. It's but, also really scary getting those. Right. Right. Yeah. No, they, they, I don't feel like a. Cri- it's like crossing the border. You're like, why do I feel like a criminal all of a sudden? And why yeah. am I nervous? There's nothing in my car. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. The one thing that I just wanted to bring up quickly, that's a little bit unclear yet, at least in, in anything I've looked at. So this will apply to anything zoned residential and housing. It also applies to assignments of contracts. So right. if you're buying a pre-construction unit and you're selling the contract prior to completion, you can expect 20% of any profit on that transaction to go to the provincial government. Not sure that's great policy, but it is what it is. Where, uh, just to be clear, Adam, this is because we want people to uh, to be investing in new housing, right? And uh, if you're penalizing them, uh, some people will just stop doing that. But uh, the question I had was, so if the two-year start date starts on when you sign that pre-construction contract, a lot of pre-construction complexes take more than two years to be built. So hypothetically, something's going to complete in 2027. I sign the contract today. Does the flipping tax only apply for the first two years?
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: you can assign it after? Here's another one for you, Adam. Many, many people purchase pre-construction condos or townhomes and they complete on it and then turn around and sell it. Now, if you're if the clock starts ticking when you acquire the right to the property, does that mean you complete on it and actually your name goes on title three years later? And then do you have another two years to go? I don't know. These are some of the questions, but uh, these some are of the, the questions that keep you up at night. These are the questions that keep me up at night. And they're also the questions that are very important to people that are interested in investing in real estate, right? Yeah. I mean, it, this is, we need clarity.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of, let me think about this. It's also with. I the, just put this on you. You you. Well, no, you, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that. I'm just going to let that one. Oh, yeah. Go just, by. Okay. But I, I was thinking more so because lots of changes to PTT as well, <laughs> and we're we're going to be kind of unpacking. Uh, do you want to talk PTT? Well, no. Today? I, well, it's
2: very. I I think this is a little clearer. It's uh, moving up. The exemptions moved up from 500k to 835, and then a sliding scale to 860,000. for first time home
1: buyers in right.
2: resale. Right. Which makes a lot of sense because, you know, that the exemption was very hard uh, in Vancouver <laughs> for anyone to actually be. It's
1: almost been be, like, I don't think, I, we, I feel like we used to talk about that all the time a decade ago. I know. Now, and then P- like,
2: if somebody brings it up, you're like, I haven't. Let me, where are we buying? Let it. me refresh. And then the other one is you'd get a PTT exemption if you're buying new construction as your primary
1: residence up to
2: 1.1 million.
1: That's good policy. That's good policy right there. Yeah, I, I think so as well. That's that's kind of exciting. So lots of changes coming. We're going to be kind of unpacking them. Uh, Melissa, who is uh, uh, goes also by Sell with Mel, uh, Sell with will Mel on be, Instagram, uh, doing a full series unpacking the new policy on our Instagram channel. So, so check us out at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com on Instagram and lots more coming on this show. The implications though, I feel like that's the thing. I was just uh, having a back and forth with one of the lawyers that we work closely with and uh, they were raising some of the implications around PTT and timing. And it was a very fascinating conversation I shared with, on the thread. And everyone's kind of scrambling because there are a lot of contracts right now that Will be closing prior to April when the exemption happens. When the exemption happens, and a lot of first-time home buyers that are, and a lot of government little, officials watching for addendums. Well, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? But uh, there's there's a lot of questions around it. Anyways, more coming in a future episode for sure. Matt, I should say we are also sponsored by Scalina Real Estate today.
2: That's right. And all Scalina Real Estate listings are now featured on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. com. wanted to feature one, uh, a listing that's hitting the market on Monday, Adam. This is a really exciting one. I love the West End of downtown Vancouver. It's fantastic, quiet residential streets, but you're still close to... Robson, Stanley Park, English Bay, the Skytrain. No property epitomizes this, as does 704-1225 Barclay. This is a one-bedroom, fully renovated, close to 700 square feet. This is a perfect home for a couple or a single person. I think. Right. Uh, and it's at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. Too almost, <laughs> almost too much space for us. Almost too much space. Beautiful <laughs> renovation, though. Really excited uh, to bring it. And
1: Barclay is one of my favorite streets. So that's actually the, that's the spot. It's, it's also far enough east that you're kind of, you know, I feel like in the West End, you live too far west. It's still beautiful. West but of live, Denman. Sometimes you can get kind of caught in the, in that pocket because it's the hill, right? It kind of slopes up you almost need a reason to use the rest of downtown where when you're a little bit further east, it's kind of like you're, you're West End, but you're, you got that residential feel, but you're still part of the middle, middle of downtown. They,
2: well, I'll tell you what 1225 Barclay Skytrain. You can walk to the Skytrain very quickly. right? So it's not like you're cut off from the rest of the downtown, which you're right. Some, some of the West End you, you feel like that. So check it out, com. And while you're there, You might want to hit sell with us because then you get access to our most downloaded document of all time, the sold plan.
1: Yeah, Matt. And uh, the sold plan is a step-by-step guide for selling for top dollar in the shortest amount of time. Basically sold in this case stands for start on launch date. You pick when you want to sell and we give you step-by-step instructions on how to get your home ready for sale.
2: And get top dollar. Exactly. That's at com.
1: Yeah, Matt. And uh, with, for, without further ado, let's cut to our conversation with Kathy Black. This one is really, this is scheduled listening. Absolutely. You might even want to listen to this one twice. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Markon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds, all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon
2: projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out marcon.ca
1: Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sonehouse, House, Marcon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds, Sohn House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at marcon.ca slash sownhouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Homes. Marcon, building for life. Okay, so we're here with Kathy Black, Head of Real Estate Development for Fiera Real Estate. How are you doing, Kathy?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thanks
1: yeah. for taking the time. Well, thanks for taking the time and coming down to the studio all the way from Toronto.
0: Absolutely. Although I don't think
2: you flew here just for this.
0: Uh, this <laughs> and a couple of other things, but mainly for this. Many-
1: <laughs> um, can you maybe start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I am the head of real estate development for Sierra Real Estate. Um, my job really is to manage the closed-ended development funds. That involves you strategizing for the business plan, coming up with the investment strategies. We have four development funds uh, to date, and that totals about one point six billion. So that really leads up to a development value of just over six billion, and we invest across the country. Ground up development at the majority of our program is really with a local developer. As you both know, development is such a local business. It's hard for me to to be sitting in Toronto. I'm not going to say our ivory tower in Toronto because, you know, we have (laughs) enough comments, but anyone from Toronto uh, out of Vancouver, but sitting in Toronto, we still are investing across the country. So in order for me to do that effectively, efficiently and get the returns that we would want... We just choose the best in class. So Local developers coming in, bringing us sites, sometimes zoned, sometimes not zoned. We will take on development risk uh, and entitlement risk as necessary. So with that, that's a big part of what I do. So the originating and sourcing for that. I also lead the development team. We are responsible for all strategies across VR real estate. Any of the other strategies and funds that have developments allocation or opportunities, we will manage it for them. So we also have a big core fund. That's our open-ended income fund at Fiora Real Estate, just under $5 billion. They are income producing, really holding income producing properties, drawing on that. But there is a 12% to 15% allocation towards ground up development. So we've been busy also investing and helping with that and growing that portfolio as well.
1: So you're actually located in Toronto. Uh, every time I talk to you, you're on the go, you're in another city or somewhere. You travel a lot, it sounds I like. I
0: do travel a lot. It's funny that you say that because for all of February, I was in Toronto maybe once. I get a lot of meeting requests all the time, people coming into Toronto, but then I'm, you know, we're passing. you there. Yeah, we're passing <laughs> in the air for sure.
1: And uh, Fiera is, the headquarters is in Montreal. Can you talk a little bit about Fiera?
0: Yeah, so Fiera Capital is our parent company. Fiera Capital, you know, one of, I would say, one of the top 10 asset management firms globally. Uh, we have $160 billion of AUM, uh, public and private markets. So Fiera Real Estate is a one of the alternative divisions that's part of Fiera Capital, also based out of Toronto. We have offices for Fiera Real Estate, specifically in uh, Toronto, Montreal, and Halifax, but regardless of which office we sit in the because our platform is national the team just uh, you know coast to coast and
2: and why real estate for you like can you tell us how, how did you how did you get into the business and
0: it, it's a very interesting question and i would say that i fell into real estate so my background i actually have a degree in biochemistry which a lot of people don't know about so when i came out of university i was <laughs> And this is a good image of me sitting in a lab with my lab coat on and pipetting my life away as a research (laughs) assistant. And so I say this because I'm quite a social person, I would say, not uh, too much of an introvert, Uh, some would argue. I I think I'm a closeted introvert. So an introverted (laughs) extrovert is the term that I've come up with. But I was, as I was sitting there petting my life away, I figured, I don't know that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. At that time, there was a local developer. You know, he was very much a visionary. He was working on a very complicated project. And the first of its kind in Toronto being a mixed-use condo hotel. And it's not the condo hotels that we see today where you have stratified with a hotel on certain floors, condominium or strata on the, the balance of it. This was a very ambitious project in a heritage building. So one King West in downtown Toronto at the corner of King and Young Street, where you had a full mixed use of commercial, residential, and residential that could be converted and put into a pool to be operated as a hotel. So needed assistance. So I was hired on there. Just, you know, I had dreams of also going to Mexico to be an events coordinator. So while I was waiting for my placement to go to uh, Mexico, I decided, sure, I'll just pick up this job. By three days into the the position, the developer approached me and said, you know, this isn't a part-time job, so you have to decide, you know, if you want this job, you have to sign on full-time. So at that point in time, I had this moment of, okay, do I go to Mexico or do I stay here and start this new career? And so, and the rest is history, but that's how I got my start. Working on one of the most difficult, most challenging projects it took about ten years, even just to get that, um, you know, into wow. the ground and up. But it was the tallest and thinnest tower in all of Toronto at that point in time. So it was attached to One King West. It was a, a pinnacle, of fifty-one stories with, and it's still operating today uh, as a very successful hotel. So it's a a good story. So started that and was running two funds. Actually, that's how we were uh, raising for the capital to just operate on the business. And then so come full circle now at Fiera Real Estate, also running funds, you know, on a little bit of a bigger scale, of course, but doing essentially the same thing in development.
2: Very cool. Can you talk a little bit about Fiera's investment strategy?
0: So for us at Fiera, we're, because there's so many options in terms of the open-ended funds, we also have a industrial fund. So a small-cap industrial fund that's just hit a billion dollars, acquiring more um, 5 to 20 million type of assets as a holding uh, investment. We also have segregated separate accounts that we manage for just different investors, institutional investors. So across the board, and then, of course, the closed-ended funds that I manage, we always, because we have a national platform, what we're looking for is, you know, strategic growth in the different markets. And I think that's one of our strengths that we have. We're not just focused on one market. It's just not one area. We're flexible. It's, you know, we're built uh, with a team of very entrepreneurial professionals, you know, people who know what they're doing. And our focus is always very much aligned with, okay, what's the cycle in the market? Where are we in the market right now? And what is the cycle and what's most advantageous? I have to give a lot of credit to our planning and analytics team that we have here as well. So we have these proprietary models that we run. So there's always the target model and different, you know, so they're drawing analytics from different platforms and putting it together into something that we always look at and and also advises us on, okay, what's the most strategic asset class to go into right now? And then also, what's the most strategic market? So Vancouver, I would like to say, is actually on our trending up and one of the target markets that we we definitely would look at, both in industrial and in residential.
1: Interesting. So industrial and residential in Vancouver. Absolutely. Well, let's maybe, you want to jump it. This is a little bit further ahead in terms of talking about FIERA's investment strategy, but what what are the key factors that you're looking at and why why vancouver why industrial and why residential right now
0: so with so vancouver's interesting and i have to give the province uh, a lot of credit for being so Restrictive? Think, <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely restrictive. And, you know, I I work out of Toronto a lot. So, if there's any other market that's restrictive, it would be Toronto. Vancouver's not far behind in being, you know, <laughs> the worst. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Montreal, actually, my colleagues in Montreal, they laugh because they always thought that they had it fairly bad with the entitlement process. And then learning the Toronto and Vancouver markets. They said, no, we're actually, you know, we're in good good shape here. Um, (laughs) It's just harder to break into the Montreal market if you're not already there. So that poses another set of challenges. But Vancouver, in November, I think, of last year, this is where, you know, very pro-housing policies came into place. And you adopted them so quickly to allow for this housing. So this, the housing problem that people are speaking of, I don't even think it's a problem. It's a crisis. And it's a crisis that I can't see in in the foreseeable future how we would get out of it. Just the disparity between the supply and demand, the affordability. You know, we can go on and on and on about that. There's just, it's so far out of reach for so many people that it's a crisis situation that it's just going to be on repeat for an extended period of time. So I have to give, you know, honestly, Vancouver credit for trying to come up with, um, you know, ways to improve that, you know, coming, you know, being close to transit. I think you, just by as of right, and of course, I I don't know the policies off the top of my head, but I think as of right, you'll get your 20 stories, right. uh, eliminating the parking, four plexes being now legal, you know, a lot of things like that, which will help its start. Toronto is also looking at some of these policies, you know, as is uh, Montreal, just to try to how to improve this, how to make the numbers work as well for developers so that we can bring this on quickly and it not just constantly be a conversation about, okay, this is how we're going to collaborate, but actually do something about it. So I'd say Vancouver did a good job in making that happen. Let's do something about it. And the only way you can do something about it is allowing the policies to guide you know, the industry to make that a reality. So I'm excited about that. And for, and I know I'm going to be speaking ahead, but for my future, I'm I'm raising for another fund right now. And for the future investments, this is one of the key things why I want to come to Vancouver and why I will likely be putting a lot more of the investments investment dollars that's coming up into this market because it makes it possible. Timelines will be shortened, hopefully, With these new policies, and because we are IRR driven, uh, that always matters.
1: And so, and and just actually to maybe to double click on that a bit, the five hundred million because you got a new fund that you are raising five hundred million, right? Do you have certain percentages that you allocate for certain markets, or and can you talk a little bit about how much you plan on putting into Vancouver?
0: Absolutely, that's a great question. So, my my current fund that I have fund for is our first pan Canadian fund. So the first three very much focused Quebec, Quebec, Ontario, Quebec, Ontario, and then Fund4 became a Pan-Canadian with an allocation of 40% Ontario, 40% Quebec, and then 20% everywhere else in Canada. But really, Vancouver, I do have, you know, 150 odd acres in Atchison, Alberta as well. (laughs) Uh, That's for an industrial play, which we're also very excited about. But yet mostly, you know, when I say anywhere else uh, outside of Quebec and Ontario, it really has been focused in BC. With Fund 5, it'll be trending along those same allocations, except that uh, the West Coast BC allocation might be bumped up a little bit more to 30%. So they'll there'll be guidelines within my investment policy, but with a little bit more flexibility because it is still a very opportunistic fund. So we wouldn't take away a good opportunity just because I'm a little bit outside of my 20% or thirty percent.
1: Right. And we're and we're primarily a, a residential show, but the industrial thing strikes me because we we talk a lot on the commercial show about industrial has been kind of a very resilient asset class in in bc but if anything it feels like in the last little bit here it might be one of the one of the lagging classes potentially what are your thoughts like why are you excited about industrial
0: for industrial over the last three and a half years we've actually brought in over two million square feet of industrial most of it being in the gta in ontario what I would say where we differ as well is we have a 4 hold So lease products, Big Bay in Ontario doesn't exist here in Vancouver, but we have large bay, you know, 100,000 square feet and up. Up to 320 is the largest uh, that I have in a single building with one tenant even. Um, and I also do a lot of small bay strata that we sell. Both programs, you know, very strategically, some within the same business park, have been very successful for us because now we're also opening that up to different, you know, demographics and small business owners, larger tenants who who need the largest space. But in Toronto, very specifically, the rents on those small bay spaces have been, you know, just trending upwards north of $20 to $25 a square foot. For a small business owner, just having that ability to control your future, not be subjected to what the landlord's new rent rates will be with an escalation too, because we are building in three and a half to 4% escalations annually. You know, in the past, it was always a five-year step on that, but now it's, you know, it's an annual conversation that we're having. So we've had a lot of success in that, just selling off small Bay Industrial product in Vancouver, we have a multi-story stacked industrial that I'm very excited about. We have that in False Creek, just going through the entitlements right now. That's also with a local developer. It's not something that we do in Toronto, but I'm also, you know, things to target and things to, to want to do. I want to be one of the first in Toronto to be able to do multi, uh, multi-level multi stacked industrial But to your point, it has been true because I see the for sale side and then the lease upside. So the lease upside has slowed down a little bit. Vacancy rate in the GTA right now for industrial is at about just over three and a half percent. We've been working in an environment where it was always sub one percent. So that was the market condition for the last three years. Right now, it's a little bit over three. There's still lots of conversations going on. I'm actively selling on two different sites for uh, industrial strata. That's been going very well. And the reception on that has actually been more than what I've seen over the last two years too. So, you know, in conversations with our partners, I was told this was the best launch we've ever had. And it wasn't even a widely marketed process. It was very much... A soft conversation that we would, we just wow. had with some people, um, but on the lease up side, you're absolutely right. There has been a little bit of slowdown, but Alberta—that's where even design builds uh, absorption has improved significantly. Maybe not necessarily in Edmonton, but in Calgary, that story has been very different. There has been a lot of absorption.
2: No, I just wanted to go back to Fiera's—you know—targeting markets for Strategic growth. We talked a little bit about, you know, policy shifts and easing supply constraints, I guess, in terms of why Vancouver is exciting. Can you talk about some other factors uh, that makes Vancouver an exciting play right now for Fiera?
0: Yeah, Vancouver is exciting. Well, nicer weather. So anytime it's the winter in in Toronto or Montreal, I like coming here. <laughs> 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 although although the little bit of snow causes flight cancellations, not the most fun. And yet I just experienced <laughs> that back in January with multiple canceled flights. So you know, yeah. not on repeat. But just the lifestyle in Vancouver, it's, Vancouver is a place where people choose to live. They come here not because they're going to, you know, find the biggest jobs. Not The headquarters aren't based in Vancouver, but this is a place, it's in the country where people are choosing to live in BC, choosing to live, whether it be on the island or in Vancouver proper, um, the metrics here. But also, and I, I hate saying things like this where, well, if you build it, people will just come. But that's the case with Vancouver. So we're projecting rents at a certain number, and we're trying to be a little bit conservative because you think there might be an oversupply. The oversupply hasn't been an issue here just because your policies have been so restrictive that it hasn't been easy anyway. I'm just hoping that, you know, the, to your point, Matt, about the policies, that's going to be a condition of the future. Mm-hmm. So hopefully in the future, it'll, be, it'll just be easier. But the investments that we make here, I would say this is the only market where at the time of underwriting, you know, you try to be somewhat conservative and you hope you hit it. But on stabilization and on delivery, my returns have been better than my underwriting, and that never happens, right? We always struggle to just ensure that we meet our underlining numbers and return metrics and the targets that we set out. But in Vancouver, it's been one of those markets where – Okay, this is my base underwriting. I hope to meet this and I've exceeded it on, you know, multiple occasions.
2: Wow. And what, what do you think accounts, like what accounts for that?
0: Rents, your rents here, there's just no supply. And this is why, you know, back to my earlier comment about a, a crisis situation. I just don't know how people can afford to live here. Mm-hmm. I'm going through some of these units, you know, I won't name them because they're competitors and I'm not sure if they want to be called out <laughs> on this. But lease up starting at five, mid-$5 $5 rents. And I had toured this building where on the day of my tour, they leased out a 500-square-foot unit. 735 a square foot was what they benchmarked and what they got. So for a 500-square-foot unit, you're paying $3,700 a month. I don't know how many families or how many individuals can afford $3,700 a month for rent, right. So that's you know that's really and you know hence my comment about a crisis,
2: right. And in terms of forecasting, because I feel like it was not that long ago where we were talking about three dollars a foot for rent, like oh, yeah, like, eight years ago. Yeah, maybe eight <laughs> years ago. Eight but years I mean, it
0: was very you yeah. know, in right. a blink of an eye.
2: Right, yeah. but it's but but that's it's more than doubled, right? In in Absolutely. the case that you're talking about, in in terms of. Like forecasting out in the models you use, you see that pressure. I mean, presumably because the supplies just take so long and who knows if that ever comes on online in a in a meaningful way. Yes. Um, you're just forecasting that to to continue to trend in that in a direction that's beneficial to it Fiera. has
0: been trending up, and I'm still very conservative. So anytime we do our underwriting, I'm not projecting what the market has been. I won't even carry what uh, the year-over-year year increase was from last year. I'm being very conservative, carrying it at 3 and 4%. But across the board, just in Vancouver alone, year-over-year, year, as of the last quarter, it was an 8% increase in rents, right? That's not what I'm carrying, mm-hmm. but that's the reality of it. So I feel that when we're doing our projections at 3 to 4 it's it's something that's attainable and something that we can achieve we're doing lease up right now, actually in Victoria on a project that hopefully we're anticipating movements to start over the next two months. So our rents for Victoria, we're renting it at a dollar and fifty more than what I had in my underwriting. So again, wow. what you know, what is causing that? And it goes back to the you know the same basic uh, principle of. There's no supply whatsoever and people want to live there. So now that there are buildings coming on board, you know, different options, people are going to be moving to more quality. And so, you know, with that, we, we're we still always going to be very conservative. And so, you know, when I have even conversations with our investors, I'm like, we're not, we're very entrepreneurial, but we take calculated risks. So when they give us their money to invest into our funds and put into our projects, these are all things that we consider. We're not going to be the most aggressive to try to draw in and give you, you know, promised crazy returns. But we always try our best, and we are meeting our commitments because of you know just the way that we underwrite and the trying try to be most strategic, and then just within the different markets.
1: So I, I'm just thinking about your position. You you've seen, um, I mean, your bio is outdated, and and it's talking about seeing uh, overseeing over twelve thousand residential units. Yeah, so, that's
0: doubled now. It's doubled now. <laughs> okay, that's doubled
1: now. And you're not optimistic about the federal government or municipal governments being able to build their way out of this.
0: No, because, you know, the one thing that we talk about, okay, so it's great. We have policies that will allow us to do this now. So everyone's very cooperative. You have three level of governments. Every municipality is, is going to be on board. That's going to be great. So I can, they can take in as many applications as we submit. But the other part of that story is our labor pool. We can't build, you know, there we have very specific targets within Canada, Vancouver set out some specific targets. Ontario had set out specific targets, but I know for Ontario we can't build more than fifty thousand units a year, and that's just because we don't have the labor pool to be able to bring that on board. So, with that in mind, how are we ever going to get out of this situation? Right. When we're millions and millions, you know, in the hole in terms of of the supply that we need, immigration is continuing. You know, immigration isn't a bad thing, so I'm not, not to say, but one thing I was, that comes up in conversation for you all the time, we have a point system that might be a little bit outdated, because when you're looking at immigration, you're bringing in professionals, which is great for us economically, but in order to house them, you also need another sector, so why are we not adding in within our immigration policies open up for, you know, an opportunity for just different demographics and different type of labor pools coming in here that could even help solve that labor issue that we have. Because it's very, you know, focused right now on, you know, this specific type of professionals. So for us, it's, it's that side, right? So policies can open up institutionally. We can have a lot of money being pushed into this initiative of building homes. But we're not physically building it and we don't have the labor pool that'll be able to bring that on board for us quick enough.
1: It makes a lot of sense. I just want to just while we're on Western Canada, mm-hmm. um, one market that you know we're seeing a lot of interprovincial migration to yes. is is Alberta mm-hmm. and of course Calgary. Can you thought can you talk a little bit about Fiera and your approach or thoughts on Calgary and if you're in that market?
0: That's always the <laughs> that's always the key question. So I get asked this a lot from developers out of Alberta as well, because, you know, obviously being a national platform uh, investment dollars in uh, Alberta is also important. I would say that uh, depending on where we are in Calgary, so along the Beltline, I feel that the supply coming on board might be a little oversupplied Calgary or Alberta in general has a very, you know, pro-housing, pro-business, very cooperative uh, government. Um, so they've been fantastic with that. You know, we I, I speak to developers out there very quickly. You can get your zoning in place and even have building permits pulled within a year. So the problem with Calgary is not that it is—it's it, one that I'm actually positive about and I'm hoping— probably to have one or two. So not a significant amount of investment dollars, but definitely one or two projects. Just, you know, depending on which neighborhood within Calgary, though, not right in the Beltline, but in and around the the, the outskirts would make a lot more sense. But for Calgary, they've also seen a lot of migration, to your point, uh, so much so that even older rental product, you know, things from the 70s and 80s, I know for the last year has been absorbed very quickly. So their vacancy rate is actually really low right now. I think it's hovering around 1%, whereas even five years ago, it was closer to the 8% mark.
1: Mm -hmm. Sounds like those pro-business people are keeping housing too affordable. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the,
1: the irony, right? <laughs> Not that attractive,
2: actually. That, yeah. They're too good at providing housing. <laughs> yeah.
0: so, well, there. I don't know if you had this here in uh, BC, but in Ontario, we had these commercials running on TV. It was about moving to Alberta. So it was yeah. a very focused uh, marketing effort, you know, <laughs> out of Alberta.
1: Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the lower mainland? Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419.
2: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in vrp2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in vrp2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the bigwigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in vrp2020. Can you contrast like one thing, and I guess Alberta would maybe fit into this, but I was just thinking, You know, you've outlined kind of why strategic growth makes sense in Vancouver. You're also, you know, in in Toronto, Montreal, and a few other markets. Can you, I'm just thinking to highlight the, the differences because we have a national housing crisis. We have a housing crisis in those areas as well. We can't provide the supply. It seems to me like Vancouver, it's a lifestyle kind of driven. Can you talk about the differences between Vancouver and those markets?
0: Yeah. So yes, Vancouver is lifestyle driven, but also the rents here make it a lot more. So because I am irr driven, and that's how you know we sell this to our investors. This is our commitment to them to to meet specific returns in Vancouver. And again, because of the just sheer amount of people moving out here for this lifestyle, there's the rents make sense. There's a annual growth in the rents where you don't see that as much in uh, Montreal. So we have two prime assets that we're building in Montreal, two of the tallest actually residential towers in all of Montreal, right in the heart of the downtown core. The rents that we're getting there is half of what we have here in Vancouver. You know, still a very good strategic market, but sometimes... The returns that we that we want to make for our investors, it's just the numbers pencil out a little bit better here in the West. In Toronto, for us, it's more of an issue of being able to buy land at a price that makes sense. So it, it's sad because we are located in Toronto. You know, the real estate team, the majority of us are sitting in Toronto. We don't have a lot of product out there. we we have a lot of condominiums because that's what makes sense. In terms of soft cost across the country for Montreal, even in Vancouver, it makes up about twenty percent of the hard cost numbers in Toronto, just with our development charges, you're closer to sixty to seventy percent. Oh these are oh. it's <laughs> yes. and and so unless you're developing in Toronto, you don't see those numbers, right? you don't you won't recognize that, but that's strictly to go to pay for development charges. Um, so unless we have the municipalities on board, we come up with a better program as to how to defer this or even waive this. Um, Vancouver last year came out with a couple of different policies for uh, DC waivers, right? Development charge waivers. So you have options. You can build it this way, have this waived, or, you know, set your rents set specific. So different criteria for that. We don't have that in Toronto. And so that's, you know, one of the big reasons why we do a lot of, we still build a lot in For sure, in Ontario and in Toronto. But it's just not for purpose-built rental. It's more for condominiums because that's what makes sense. Although right now, and I would say in the last 12 months, absorption on condo spaces has been very, very slow. Mm -hmm. But that's, you know, again, that's just the state of the market right now. It's just the cycle that we're in and we'll likely pivot out of that.
2: Well, can we talk a little bit about the cycle? Where are we? Yeah, I'll
0: look into headed? my my magic crystal ball in front of me, <laughs> and then let's uh, and
2: and also, I mean, where where are we? Where are we headed? But also, how Fiera strategically operates in those different sections of the market.
0: Sure. So we, you know, because again, I'm going to give credit to our planning analytics team, but there's a lot we watched that a lot, and right now, over the last two quarters, I would say we are definitely on the recovery. So what does the recovery mean? Recovery meaning there's growth. There's absolutely growth. But the liquidity is our other factor that we look at as well. So liquidity, I don't think is quite there yet. It's just holding stable. Cap rates have been expanding over the last 12 months. We've had almost 100 beeps in terms of expansion across all asset classes. So I don't know the rhyme and reason necessarily for that. But as you're doing your appraisals and it's expanding to this point, values do come down. We're seeing that balance out a little bit just uh, through the last two quarters. I think that we will still face another expansion of up to about 25 beeps in this next two quarters. But by the end of the year, I think we're going to shift from this recovery type mode into more of an expansion mode, meaning that growth and liquidity will be up. So it's a, a positive turn for us for sure. If you look at it, I think in the last you know quarter century, we've really only had three periods, like three times where there's been for Canadian real estate and property values and returns dropping below zero. And that was once in 08, 09, financial global financial crisis over COVID, you know, a global pandemic that none of us know how to deal with and then just in the current cycle right now where uh, hikes have gone up, you know north of nine percent. But there's one thing that has been common just across the 08, nine and through the pandemic is that when you have a recovery, it's very dramatic and it's a very pronounced performance recovery goes down and then straight up. So you know it's real estate is always very cyclical. It's nothing new. Um, it's one of the oldest businesses. So if we just look at that and how we've recovered over the last two um, bad cycles, I just suspect that we're going to, you know, this is going to be yet another pronounced performance recovery. And we're going to be, you know, at the end of 24 into 25, we'll be right back where we were. And we'll forget all about this, you know, insolvency and everything else that's going on. A lot of these conversations that are very present today.
2: And is that the recovery? I know you're talking about liquidity, but, just to spell it out, like how much does the Bank of Canada have to do with with that and well, the pace lot. of this?
0: Yeah, no, a lot of it because I think this cycle that we're in right now is hundred percent because of the Bank of Canada and the the rate hikes that we've been experiencing. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier over the last 12 months, we haven't been able to sell any condo strata product. Mm-hmm. And that's because the the test, a stress test, even for, for someone to be able to get a mortgage has been so high that they're just steering away. It is a very much an investor-based um product to a lot of the condos that we sell in Toronto. I know in Vancouver that has also been the case. When you have that, when you have the ability now to you know put your money into something else or invest in real estate and then think about a mortgage rate that you may or may not get, it does scare off you know a lot of the buyers. So Even on some of the product that we're selling right now, the demographics and the people buying are end users because they're selling their big home. They're downsizing. They're not as concerned about what my mortgage rate is going to be because I'm just going to pay you in cash in any event. So I'm not overly concerned about that. But everyone else, right? The young Canadians, the immigrants that are coming in and needing homes, they're not going to look to condos because the mortgage rates are just way too high. So if I have the option, then I can rent and then that again, it's cyclical, drives rents significantly higher and then yet again no supply so it's a it's a constant
2: mm-hmm. and, and so so just uh, in terms of how you've kind of dealt with the last 18, 24 months, it sounds like Fiera sees it as an opportunity almost.
0: We do see it as an opportunity, and I think you have to be strategic with that. Once you, When you have a little bit of dry powder, right, then you can look for those opportunities it's just to have that buying power when those opportunities do come up. What makes a good deal then in your mind? A good deal would be one where I can meet my returns, obviously, when it comes down <laughs> to the basis of it, of course, but that involves a lot of different factors. So very strategic markets where we do see a lot of growth coming in with the rent growth as well. So growth in population growth, rent growth, what is the demographics that I'm um, going towards? I, I wouldn't want to do anything that's overly specialized where if you know the current tenant base or the current buyer base is no longer present. Then it won't add additional value in the future, right? So, those are all things that um, that we would look at.
1: We, we've got a, a lot of people from the development community that mm-hmm. listen to the show. What makes a good development partner for FIER?
0: So, good development partner, and for me, the most important thing is someone who is not looking. They're looking for smart money. So you know, Fiat Real Estate, we're all professionals. We all know we're not just investment managers. We're really great at that, right? We do a really good job in growing our investors' money, but we're also real estate professionals. So we understand whether it's on the investment team where we're buying existing products, uh, our asset management team that's managing and maintaining the property value add and uh, development value. Everybody on the development team we have experience in development if we had to step in to take over a project i'm you know proud to say that we actually have the ability to do that and we have the know-how to do that as well so a partner who is not just looking for someone to write them a check on a monthly basis but to have a collaborative you know true partnership would be the the best type of partner. And I do, you know, have a handful of those here in BC and just across the country as well. And I don't look, I don't want to have a lot of partners. I like to have four or five and, you know, where they're committed to being able to provide the capital uh, when a good opportunity comes up.
1: And then just thinking about like somebody out there is wondering how they can invest with Fiera. Like how does the fund work and, and what what makes a good investor for Fiera?
0: Yeah. So for I'm going to speak specifically to the development fund in terms of how uh, because it is a closed ended fund um, that we have to date the new strategy for fund five will it's it will still be uh, closed ended but with options for redemption historically for closed ended funds it's usually seven years and then two one year extensions at the end as required just because it is development you have to build in a little bit of flexibility. Just for timing and 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 whatnot, but for projects that have to fit into that time frame, at the end on stabilization or on strata or condo turnover, we usually sell out of it. Then we wind up the fund and then we start on to the new one, uh, the next one. With fund five, uh, we do have an interest in having somewhat of a hold on it. So a build to core type of a a mandate as well. So only projects that we would develop in the new fund, we would roll into a new structure where we would hold it um, with the investors having the ability to go out. So I'd say the perfect investor, you know, people who would want to come into our fund would be one that want to diversify. So across the country, right? So taking up opportunities that present themselves in different markets we all have up and down times in, in the different markets. You know, Alberta has seen a lot of that. Right now, it's a perfect time for Alberta. I, I think that there's a steady growth. They're not experiencing the 20% growth in one year, but rather a 4 to 5% annually over the next five years. So it's, you know, that's steady, and that's something that's a, a constant. So we'll take advantage of that. Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal you know these are all markets that we're in these are all markets that we're watching it's and and that's where the focus comes in right so the focus the diversification there's always alignment we are there to protect our investors money that's our first job so uh the alignment and then just obviously a team of professionals who know what they're doing so though you know someone looking for that that's our perfect investor and someone understanding you know with a little bit of development risk too because it is development so it's not a Income, you have to go through the entitlement risk, construction risk, and all that. But they're all calculated risks that we take.
1: And maybe um, just thinking about the rest of Canada. are there? Are, so we've talked a little bit about Toronto. We've talked about Vancouver. Are there other markets that you're excited about? Emerging Canada? markets. Emerging markets. <laughs> Emerging <laughs> markets.
0: Uh, so secondary markets are also just because, you know, we go back to this, I feel like a broken record, but uh, the affordability right? The So the secondary markets are also uh, ones that we would look at because you can't just live in Toronto. You can't just live in Vancouver or downtown Montreal. Affordability does drive people outside of those core you know, uh, centers. And so we do look at that. And Victoria being a great example as to our BC presence. Um, we've grown in Victoria. We're developing in Victoria two new projects coming up. So, yeah, it's not limited. Uh, In Quebec, we also have Gatineau, where we're building almost, uh, you know, a a couple hundred units there as well. Um, So it's not just the core centers, but on the outside, the secondary markets are also of interest to us.
2: I'd I'd imagine part of it is just the business, but is there a... a Kind of population, a minimum population, you're... That's
0: such a great question. No one's ever asked me. Yes, actually, as part of our investment thesis, I have 100,000 people (laughs) as a population, (laughs) as a population uh, criteria, but... I think for BC, because you have so many different municipalities, it's unfair to just go by that. Because if you're telling me for Vancouver, I don't think Vancouver hits 100,000 itself, right? It's really built in with the um, uh, just because of your municipalities. I can't remember. I did look at that stat, though, just because of that. It's
2: it, Vancouver is definitely smaller than people think. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. 100,000.
0: Okay. Yeah, 100,000. Just because, you know, I'm building for people. So <laughs> we, not we going have to Brandon, have people. Brandon, Manitoba. Okay, <laughs> got it. <laughs> I know people from Brandon, Manitoba, and I hear it's a great place. It, yeah.
1: it is a great place. <laughs> Low 50,000, I think. <laughs> Maybe as a final question, just, you know, we're conscious of the fact that we've now taken over 45 minutes of your time. Kathy, just thoughts on on the next maybe 2024 in the Canadian real estate market but also in in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Like how this year looks. We're still early in the year and then maybe touching on 2025 only because it came up earlier right. in conversation.
0: Yeah, so I think our big focus will continue to be on res residential because again, you know there there's there's a dire need for that in terms of supply. Industrial has always been a very successful play for us, and I know there has been conversations about that, the absorption of that, and everything slowing down. I'm also seeing the cell side, which is it's uh, picking up really quickly. Absorption is hasn't slowed down at all. But just for 2024 and into 2025, even, that's going to be a big part of our investments. And also for Fund 5, mainly focused on purpose-built rentals. So not even the strata or condo space, but more purpose-built rental with uh, a little bit 20% or so in industrial. So that'll continue to be a big focus of ours and in markets It'll continue to be all the key markets across the country.
1: And, and do you see a um, do you see a busy busy year ahead of us in real estate and in, in residential real estate?
0: Yes. So right now, and I know that the land values here in Vancouver is also facing the same. The same issue, there has been a little bit of an adjustment downwards, which is good for us. You know, a good time for an opportunity right now. Zone land, even in Toronto, where historically it's gone north of 200 a square foot. I'm seeing some things across the desk that's in the mid 100 range, which is unheard of. So anyone wanting to sell, you know, if they're desperate to sell, they have to sell just because the cost of carrying that piece of land is too much right now. You know, it's a, that, that's the conversation for them. For us, we're fortunately, we're not in any of those situations. So I take this opportunity to, to go through the entitlements that I need, you know, do a little bit of uh, value engineering and tendering on some of the projects that are moving into the construction phase or into the sales phase. Um, so the first part of this year, I think the conversations will surround a lot of that, you know, what opportunities there are for acquisition. And then in the latter part of it, I think think for some of the condo projects, that's where I intend on if I'm launching for a sales program, my focus definitely won't be in this first two quarters. It'll be towards the end of 24, even into 2025.
2: Interesting. And do you have, this might be a little specific, but projections on appreciation and uh, in rents and in uh, property values?
0: Uh, So rents and property values. So for rents, you know, even just looking back quarter over quarter historically and then even within our own portfolio, it's anywhere between, you know, eight to twelve percent. There was one building where I saw even 17% on turnover, 17% increase on that rent. Wow. Being conservative, I would never underwrite that way. I'd always still very, you know, carry the very conservative four percent. But that's some of the some of the numbers that we're seeing in terms of land value. Right now, it's almost 50 cents on the dollar for those who have to sell. So I think it's just going to balance out more, you know, tomorrow something that's a little bit more reasonable.
1: Got it. Well, we do have this segment called the Five Wire, five lighthearted questions that we end every show with. Can you stick around for that?
0: Absolutely.
1: The Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey. That sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive, tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the Lower Mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. Question number one is one book that you'd recommend. Uh,
0: One book that I would recommend. A book that I picked up two months ago and I have yet to crack the first page because my uh, coach (laughs) coach told me that I need more of this. So Why We Sleep, Matthew Uh, Walker's book. I have yet to crack that open, but apparently... You know, some people think I'm a high-functioning insomniac, and so they suggested this book. And I have it. I have it on my desk. I just have to open it up.
1: I think we were gifted that book by a very high-performing, formerly a mortgage broker. Now he's uh, a Dustin Woodhouse. He's he's a president of Mortgage Architects, but I believe he's just, uh, he's
2: leaving that position. Yeah. Great book. It's
0: a great book. Yeah, yeah, it's so I was told.
2: (laughs) In the last five years, what new belief behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
0: So previously, I wouldn't even be able to answer this question, but I'm happy to say that, so not last five years, but even last four weeks, I have started this sauna, cold plunge, oh. science base. It's been fantastic. So being in the industry that we are, and you can both appreciate, it's not the easiest one. You know, it carries a little bit of stress, but this new practice that I've gotten into has been just uh, it's done miracles even for mental health and everything else, you know, as we we start talking a lot about that too.
1: Do you do you go to a facility or do you have a cold plunge at home?
0: No, I do. So I in Yorkville in Toronto, there's this place called Othership. I don't even know if I'm allowed to be plugging this, but you can sure. <laughs> But, um so they have two locations now in Toronto and so they have the sauna it's guided classes and they also have free flow classes where you guided can just go classes. yeah so guided classes is great because they add in this extra breath work I didn't even know what breath work was until <laughs> uh, I started Wim this or something. <laughs> so, but it's yeah it's uh it's been a great practice so I'd say that this is something I'm I'll definitely start implementing and continuing on um
2: very cool yeah. And the highs—I've heard the highs
1: are pretty good.
0: The highs are good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What have you been binge watching lately, or favorite movie? I'm based. I'm sure you have enough time to watch. TV.
0: (laughs) yeah, that's perfect because I don't. But funny enough, at the cottage uh, last month, the kids turned on something called Superstore, and it's six seasons in, so it's nothing that's new. But I hadn't watched it ever before. And it's so funny because I've always said, if I want to change my career, I would do something like a become a grocery store cashier. I would just go and do that, right? And yeah. then I don't have to take anything home. It's just I yeah. leave my shift and that's it. And Superstore is about this big box store and all of the employees. So it's a lot of side stories, but it's, uh, yeah, it's 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 fun.
2: Wow. So if you ever if you ever uh what was your- quit the head of real estate development. Yeah, yeah store clerk. Yeah. I was going to be uh, uh, gonna be a milkman. No, or? a bread truck uh, oh, a delivery, delivery person, yeah. <laughs> Mine <laughs> was a, a a mailman, a mail person. Yeah, you know what mail person would be good.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, we actually can start a new business because then I can stock the trucks. You
2: know? <laughs> yeah. That's that's too that makes it too complicated. I don't want to do
0: it. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore.
2: <laughs> Favorite band or music?
0: So, favorite music surprises a lot of people, but uh, '90s hip hop is really oh, my jam.
1: Man, that's probably where uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the number one jam I think of everybody in the real estate world. Nah, really? uh, but it
2: was not uh, the introduction was through Jordan McDonald, who's, uh, who's a yeah, uh, big yeah, Jordan
1: spoke very highly of you made with uh, made the connection for us and. Uh, He's big on hip hop, but he listens to new hip hop too.
0: I think. Yeah. No, I I also do that. But yeah, 90s hip hop, it's, you know, it takes you maybe back to a place where less stress. I don't know. I I don't know. It's an easier time.
1: There's a lot of, uh, I think there's moments between real estate deals and transactions where you need that boost. Yeah. And hip hop plays an important (laughs) role. Um, last but not least, uh, something that you have purchased for under $1,500 that has changed your life or had an impact on it. At yeah.
0: Least. There's not a lot we can buy for under 1500s, <laughs> but back to your earlier question, the best purchased over the last three weeks was really my, my class passes to other ship.
1: Ah, nice. We've got th- those places, the cold plunge places are popping up kind of all over Vancouver, but. I don't think there's really one close to us yet. But anyways, we went to one in the there's North There's got to be one coming. There incredible. is one coming to Mount it Pleasant, is. though, I yeah, think. Yeah, there's one coming, coming to Mount Pleasant down the street from us. So
0: That would be a perfect place for it. I think the, the key to that is just learning that breath work. So when you—I've gone to cold plunges before. It was a 20-second endeavor, and then I'm quickly out of yeah, there. yeah. I'm proud to say, yeah, I'm proud to say I could sit in there now for just over two minutes. And yeah, it's, so it's been a life changer for sure.
1: That's incredible. Well, how can people find out more about what you're up to or people from the development community or investors. Can you tell us where they can find you or find uh, more about Fiera?
0: Sure. So, uh, you know, without offering all of our contact details here, sure. if they go to com, our contact information is there so they can reach out and I'm happy to have someone from the team, you know, get in touch.
2: And is in terms of minimums, like the type of Capital when you're raising capital is
0: when I'm raising for capital, there is a minimum of two million, but there that could be flexible too. So, you know, just based on conversations, and sometimes it's a, a guided conversation in terms of what your uh, investment um, thesis is and what you want as well. Uh, we also have a big private wealth sector, you know, as part of VR Capital that's happy to manage a lot of that also. And then just in projects. So just on the flip side of that. So when I'm looking at projects, I don't like to do a lot of $5 million investments, you know, it, that could take a, a lot. Um, so my sweet spot, I would say it's just in around 20 million for my share of the equity. So whether that be 50% up to 80%, $20 million or so.
1: Good guidelines for people. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Thank well, you so much, Kathy. Yeah. Thanks, thanks so much for
0: having me today.
2: So there you
1: have it, folks, our discussion with Kathy Black, head of real estate development for Fiera Real Estate. What a treat having her in the office. And uh, I always, you know what? It was nice having an hour because I've had a few conversations with Kathy. She's busy in that way that she's always getting on a flight. It's always like, you know, you got limited time to chat and it was nice to just have her visiting Vancouver. I guess right. she's got some meetings here, but we had her, she was, she was set off, blocked off two hours. It was awesome. She walked in, she said, Man, this Vancouver, you're wearing a Tommy
2: Bahama shirt on a Tuesday. I don't get this. <laughs> she thought she was like this West Coast. I coming West from Trump. who are these two <laughs> schlubs? This is the uh She's the, like glad to see you got dressed up for this.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, the other thing that was funny too is she was uh she was told by a colleague that it was cold in Vancouver this oh, week. Yeah, yeah. and she came, she's wearing like a a down jacket that yeah, was like that a like, uh, yeah, weather-tested minus 40, minus 50. And like, honestly, she was like, I can't believe I yeah, wore this Cause cause it's plus Plus seven? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, she was ready. But um no, super exciting having, having her on the program. I feel like uh, there was a ton of takeaways.
2: Yeah, I mean, one, just there's so many takeaways. But the thing that we talked about right after that's just a funny, like part of their investment thesis around... Places like Vancouver, it contrasted to how she thinks about places like Calgary, where she basically was like, Calgary's great, but they're just too effective at building housing there. It's not as exciting because they're just really effective at getting things through government <laughs> right. and getting homes built, which is not great for, for our investment strategy, <laughs> which just goes to show.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. There was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that definitely hit me when she talked about yeah. Calgary versus. Like, Bet on Vancouver. The dysfunction Vancouver. will make you money. Yeah, exactly. Matt, what do we have before we cut for the day?
2: What else do we have? We have Podcast dot com. That is our website where all things real estate related live. Head over to Podcast dot com for things like the Live Wire. This is our weekly mailer. Where we get stats before anyone else, different types of stats, where you can dig into sub markets. We have Deal of the Month, we have VIP presale access, uh, spectacular VIP access to a lot of presales. And if you thought Kathy was compelling, that could be an interesting uh, component of the market right now. We also have, of course, Tried and
1: True. Private client services. Right, Matt. Because if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor-level information for free. It's available at your fingertips over at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Just click buy with us and you can create your own free account to monitor the market. It's the best way to monitor the market. And what a time to monitor the market. I feel like the listings... like. New listings coming, good inventory, like really Well, this is the tier time, one This inventory. is the time where most of the tier one starts to hit. This feels, I was on a call with a client today, and it's like, it finally feels like you're shopping for a jacket in fall. Where last year it was like, felt like you were shopping for a ja- a winter jacket in summer, right? I like that. In the I like that. Quarter. So you're saying inventories, there's... I'm saying like you got selection, you got places like there's... Last week, just monitoring alone... In different price bands, like really good, livable product, end users selling, moving through the market. It feels like spring, like it feels like the good inventory is finally uh, being shook loose. Spring has sprung. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout. 778-847-2854 or matt at Podcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at com. We always
2: have that Kokomo line as well. Info at com. We'll
1: have a great week and we'll see you next week with another great episode. Take care.
0: You guys Faces for Radio. Subscribe today.